Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast. We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us. While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruthann. I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're rolling and now. Oh, now it's happening. Yes. Oh. Counting us down, bro. I wasn't sure. A three. Because I was fooled a minute ago. Two. Uh-oh. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael, I think. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Now I feel more... Uh, secure. That's what I'm after here for. That, after that affirmation, I was yeah. like, I wasn't sure who I am. Can any of us truly know who we are? But now that you've confirmed it, I feel like I can. I can feel a little bit more secure. That's my whole job is letting people know that they exist, and you exist, Lex Michael. Well, I think you're a person. Am I? You're a thing. Closer and a place. I feel like I'm more of an idea. You're a noun. I'm not real. Like I'm more of a, like you can hear me if you're listening to this, but that doesn't mean I'm real. I guess that's true. I mean, you could be for all intents and purposes, a figment of either my imagination, or you could be a bit that I'm doing where I just record both sides of a conversation. Or uh, you could be a computer pretending to be a person and I'm doing a long-term experiment in which I am trying to make people uh, fail or pass the Turing test. Right. Um, so that could be a thing. I like that you the idea that you were so overloaded with like bits and jokes and little pieces of things, and it all had to go somewhere. Yeah. So you poured it all into a super intelligent AI and sort of manifested a, a quote-unquote person, yeah. but who's learning at too accelerated a rate and we'll eventually discover that the only way to like ensure that all of the jokes land is to make sure that there aren't any people and it's only robots like super intelligent AI yeah. uh, writing and executing all of the jokes perfectly based on algorithm. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to drop Sokovia from the sky. Yeah. 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 It's yep. going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the best bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just boom, hits global extinction, and I'm floating up there like, get it. You get it, it's funny. <laughs> Dinosaurs didn't get it either. <laughs> they really didn't. Nobody laughed. But oh, I, but I man. Did. I laughed. Um, speaking of ideas, uh, the idea of this show... Ooh, that was nice. ...is to... Hell yeah. I liked it. Uh, <laughs> we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, television, music, what? If you were slathered in butter, it could not have been slicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here totally derailing it as I marvel at the <laughs> elegance with which you transition. It's because I'm a profesh, <laughs> brah. You know? I take these, I take these. <laughs> so what is the what is the uh, what is the grand what is the grand idea? What's the what's the what's the game here? What's the drill? Oh, baby, if, if this is your first time listening, you know, or you don't know, that we introduce each other to different stuff, whether it be experiences, movies, music, television, other stuff, ideas, po- spoken word, and then we share it with you, the audience, and each other, and we show how it's built us, we hope it builds you, we are the retrospective, that's introspective. I think we need a good copy editor for this. Look, I think we've been <laughs> nailing it the last like few months. And then just now I decided to just freeball it. You know, but I feel like it's I was true. like, no That's... underwear. See these balls. It's it's uncomfortably accurate. as a descriptor <laughs> for what's going on. Um, we'll get we'll get there. I feel like the, the more and more comfortable we get doing this the more lax we are becoming in our delivery of the more tightly scripted bits right we are now so far 
so far off script. David Mamet would be very upset with us. <laughs> maybe. Um, I mean, one could say that maybe I'm just pulling an op that you aren't aware of. You know? Oh, oh, you're doing it again. You got the fucking butter out. And you're just like <laughs> rubbing it. I was wondering why you were rubbing butter on yourself just now. And that's, that's, that's how I do. I, do. I, want to, I want to talk to you about, about that very thing. So, Tar, do you know? Do you know that we're living in a very auspicious time? Oh, yeah? We are. Not for the, the horrible reasons that you might immediately think of. Um, no, we're living in a, a, a truly magical uh, series of months couple of months back to back that history will look back on as the summer of Brolin. Josh Brolin is is everywhere right now uh, in in productions of varying sizes. Of course, we we all we all saw two billion dollar box office indicates that we did all see uh, his turn as Thanos in Avengers Infinity War. Of course, right after that, he pops up as Cable in Deadpool. He's got the legacy of a white tailed deer hunter uh, with Jody Hill that's hitting Netflix uh, July 6th. Mm hmm. And of course, we've got uh, Taylor Sheridan's uh, and uh, Stefano Solima's Sicario, Day of the Soldado, which I have not caught up with yet because I, I had made a decision at a certain point that before I did that, I was going to go back and revisit uh, the first Sicario, uh, Denis Villeneuve's 2015 movie. And I said, wow. What an opportunity. <laughs> what I did, I, I hadn't seen it in a while, I and I wanted to come and I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. I want to get your initial reactions to this movie. In my opinion, okay, if it hadn't come out in the same year as Mad Max, Fury Road, and Creed, for my money, two of the best American movies of the last decade, fight me, it would have easily, in my opinion, been the best movie of 2015. Interesting. I... Before we dive in and start picking the thing apart, yeah, by, by the way, uh, uh, if you're just joining us, Sicario is what the show's about today, folks. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be about the summer of Brolin. I even had a little sound clip ready where I was going to go, keep Brolin, 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 yeah, Brolin, 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 come on! So obviously we just got to take that and like copy paste it and just put it on the end of the show. Totally. And that's the outro. Right. Like we keep it here. Oh, of course. To set people up. Yeah. And then just we talk just long enough for them to forget or to think they're probably joking. And then they'll get to the end and they'll go, I just, why, I, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to know I want to know what you think of this movie because you had not seen it. And I, I was sitting there watching it last night and it occurred to me at a certain point, I, it may have only been my second time watching it. I, I think I maybe only saw it the one time in theaters, haven't seen it since, but it made a pretty strong impression on me at the time, as evidenced by my assertion just moments ago that it was, at worst, the third best movie of right. 2015. And in almost any other year, I think it would have been a contender. Again, my opinion, your mileage may vary, yeah. for number one of its year. Okay. I I got to the end of it, and I, my first thought was, I don't like this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's, it's not, I think that there are things that I appreciate about it. Like in my notes, there are parts where I'm like, this is dope. This is cool. Um, all the acting is phenomenal. Um, there are a lot of very real human moments in this movie. Like there's nothing that feels like a pulled punch. Um, I think that like, I think that the way the the plot is executed, I did not like. Okay. Um, and and that I think is a personal thing, not to say that like it's a bad movie. I think that well, me right. it's, personally, it's your mileage varying. Yeah, as it will. Right. Yeah. Um, mostly because I think that since since uh, Emily Blunt is your POV character. Um, I think that she has done a, a wide disservice throughout this movie. Um, I think that her acting is phenomenal. I think that the way that her character is treated, um, like, left me real sour. Okay. And I'm, that might so, be the point. So I, I, I do think that's part of the point. I didn't necessarily put this together myself when I was watching it the first time. But after the movie came out, because it was sitting in my brain the way it was. Yeah. Um, I was doing some reading about it and I saw a, a writer. Um, I, I need to like, I, I want to go back and find this article. I don't remember where I found it. I don't remember who the writer was. So now I'm going to make it a point to go back and like dig through and figure out where yeah. I may have seen it. Tweet but it out, bro. But essentially uh, uh, making the case that Sicario, even though it is not explicitly 
used as a plot point is one of the most uh, deft and uh, uh, well-executed movies about sexual assault as as theme, not as uh, uh, plot or as an, an uh, at inciting incident. Okay. Um, essentially, I think part of and I think okay, I think part of what you're reacting to sort of speaks to that, or is it the inverse? It speaks to what you're reacting to. Yes, her character is essentially treated. She enters into this grossly hyper masculine world. Right. We have like our two, our Josh Brolin character and our Benicio del, del Toro character, uh, Mac Raver and uh, Alejandro. Just hyper toxically masculine dudes. Yeah. Um, she's pulled into this world and she is essentially lied to, stripped of her agency, used and discarded. Right. And I think I think that's maybe part of what because it's there. I think everything that you're reacting to is there. But I think it is directly tied to the themes that the movie is playing with. Okay. I don't think it's there because they didn't care to treat their female protagonist better i think it really it speaks to it speaks very directly to what the story is about by and large on thematic level at least on one thematic level um and it speaks to it speaks to the ugliness of that world because it's an ugly it's an ugly movie right you talk about uh well not on a aesthetic level it's a gorgeous looking movie right. this movie was shot by roger deakins who finally just won an academy award for his work with villeneuve on uh blade runner 2049 right Gorgeous looking movie. Yes. Um, but it's an ugly world full of the ugliest people. It's basically like uh, uh, we talked about The Counselor. Yeah. Um, and how The Counselor gets a look at this world and is absolutely not prepared for what he finds. And that he's so not ready for it. He gets in over his head and he loses everything as a direct result. Yeah. We're playing in a similar world, but now... We're surrounded by, obviously, uh, uh, Emily Blunt's Kate, far more equipped to handle that world than Fassbender's counselor was in the other movie. Mm -hmm. But surrounded by just just flat out morally ugly people. Right. Whereas the counselor, you know, he had he had Rainer and he had uh, Westray who were very much grounded in that world but could still kind of like sit and talk to him directly and kind of no bullshit tell him like this is what's going on you're not ready for this you can't handle this but we're gonna tell you so that you're better informed to make your decisions yeah. we can kind of we're maybe not friends in the truest sense but we kind of laugh hang i'm not specifically using you as a prop as a puppet whereas everybody surrounding kate with the exception of daniel kaluuya's character is she's just there as a tool, as a prop, something right. to be taken advantage of. And within the context of the story, it's because Matt is CIA and the CIA can't operate domestically unless they're partnered with a domestic agency. Kate's FBI. She's that's the only reason she's there. Right. She is there. She is there to be used and discarded. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. Ramble, ramble, ramble. Uh, <laughs> I similar, mean, similar yes. world, but an e somehow an even uglier. You have to sit and wallow in the ugliness, surrounded by people who are like, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, like I, I, I don't remember if I was something I was re. Yes, I was reading an article uh, from the AV Club, and it was specifically about. Um, Emily Blunt's character not returning for the sequel. Um, and I saw there was somebody, somebody, I don't know if it was, uh, the writer or the director maybe did an interview and they, their, their answer to that question dissatisfied the writer at the outlet. And so the headline was something like, you know, the, the, the X gives bad answer about why Emily Blunt isn't in right. it. Um, yes. So it was that. And, and. It was yes, it was very specifically that article. And, and again, just pause, just to reiterate, I don't believe either one of us has yet seen Sicario: Day of the Soldado, so I really cannot speak to that movie's quote unquote quality relative to this one. Yeah, whatever. but I mean, right? But like the the main piece that I took from that is that it it posed the idea that Sicario, the original, um, was a subversion of the like kind of government agency, um, super masculine uh, kind of archetypes that we're used to and kind of paints them as the bad guys. So like typically um, the the Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin characters would be 
the the glorified protagonists where they're essentially like, yeah, we're taking down all these sweet, sweet drug dealers. We're causing some chaos. Woo! Look at us. Um, but which which they are doing in this movie. They are, but, but is, it's is your, not painted in right. that way. So your your point is essentially that with the Emily Blunt character being there, we have a POV character that can look at these guys and go, oh yeah, but this is beyond fucked. Right. Yeah. Because if it was like without that character, they'd basically be like the A team or um, uh, like a John McClane, John, 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 John McClane, McClane, Tom Clancy Tom character. Tom McClancy. Tom McClancy. Um, they would basically be those characters where they're essentially they're, they're working outside the realm of their jurisdiction, but it's quote unquote for a, a greater cause. And so like you excuse their uh, their rule breaking well it's right it's like the the philosophy is essentially the ends will justify the means but the means are so preposterously chaotic i mean chaos is the goal yeah they're essentially what they're essentially there to do right they're looking for this this cartel head yeah and essentially what they're doing is they're just going in to fuck shit up just to like fire bullets and probably kill some people and see some drugs and see some weapons and whatever the shit else extradite uh, one of the top guys, Guillermo, one of the top guys who's also brother to the the cartel head. Um, all of this just so your one kind of your capo will get called back to the boss and then you can tail capo to the boss and get the boss. Right. But in service of that goal, just essentially not necessarily laying waste to, the, you know, areas like Juarez, um, but... Not not helping. Just essentially <laughs> no. like just adding gasoline to the fire, intentionally adding gasoline to the fire. And even though it is for ostensibly, not, not altruistic, but ostensibly uh, uh, quote unquote positive long term goals, the means are so forget questionable. They're so openly monstrous. Yeah. And these these guys, like you say, they really Matt, especially the Brolin character really seems to revel in it. Uh, Alejandro, the, the del Toro character you uh, the more you learn about his backstory you realize there's not there there is there's purpose more than joy in it yeah. for him uh whereas i think for matt there definitely seems to be joy more than there is purpose like oh, he's yeah. just getting a kick out of all of it mhm um so then i want to ask yes is then the counterpoint and i don't know what the quote was that that is uh the answer to the question but is the is the counterpoint of day of the soldado essentially that you remove that character who's there to be like hey this is all pretty messed up and without that character you are more or less just glorifying uh alejandro and matt as they fire their guns and go woo and mess it up um yes that was the basically the gist of that article where they were saying that like essentially the sequel kind of in, in having not seen it also but like the idea of the sequel without emily blunt's character kind of took the wrong message from the movie in that like, yes, it takes these two characters who are un, un, uh, what's the word I'm looking Unsympathetic? for? Unsympathetic? No, they're... Because you could almost argue that in a weird way, Alejandro is sympathetic once he you is. discover, even though he's not, not a monster. He's yeah. not, not the boogeyman, essentially. He is still an oddly sympathetic boogeyman once you, once you learn... Spoilers, he his his wife and his daughter were horribly murdered by the cartel. Yeah. And he's going he's part of this mission. He's actually working for the competing cartel, mm-hmm. but he's he functions as a mercenary. So the CIA, Matt can essentially they'll bring him in because we're hunting the same guy, enemy of my enemy, and so forth. Yeah. Um but it's all it's all personal for him. Right. Uh and and yeah, you get that scene, that incredibly tense scene at the end of the movie where he finds the dude and he's sitting at the table with the guy and his family. And everything building up to the moment where he just offs the dude's family in front of him. And I appreciate, too, this is that we don't shy away from violence. We don't pull punches. But I appreciate that we we, we know exactly what's happening just outside of the frame when right. Alejandro executes this cartel leader's wife and and young sons at the table in front of him. But we don't see it. We're not... I think it is to the credit of this movie, and sorry, I'm like jumping the track a bit now. Uh, I think it's to the credit of this movie that it can be hyper-violent, but it never, to me, feels like we're reveling in the violence. I feel like every time we see, like on the, um, on the, on the, freeway, the, uh, the crossing, the border crossing at the beginning or towards the beginning where they, the guys are 
in the cars with the guns. Yeah. And they exit their vehicle and they essentially, before the, the guys in the cars with their guns can do anything, they just flat execute them in the cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see it and it's, it's jarring and it's incredibly violent, but because you have Kate there as the POV character and you're in her perspective, you feel the gut punch of how truly ugly and horrible and just insane it is yeah so i appreciate that at no point are we are we at no point do i feel anyway like we are celebrating this violence we are treating it as something truly ugly or we are it it is present we are depicting it but we are not going to shove it in your face especially when it gets as ugly as it can i.e alejandro one of your ostensible protagonists literally shooting children at point blank range. Right. Yeah. I think that like the scene that you described on the bridge is one of the only instances where we get a direct view of violence. Like even when Alejandro is um torturing Guillermo, like they he gotta, walks in with the water. We gotta talk about this, and right? And it just like cuts to the drain and you hear noises. That's not that's not all that happens. Okay. So he comes in with that water jug God knows what he's doing with that. I guess you could guess maybe you could do a version of waterboarding with that much water, or you could just essentially like shove the thing in his mouth and and threaten him with drowning, basically. Okay. But that's not all he does before we cut to the drain. If you recall, he sets down the water jug and walks right up to Guillermo and shoves his dick in his face. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So this too goes back to goes back to what I was trying to get at earlier about the themes that again we're not we're not uh, overtly hitting them on the head but the themes of hypertoxic masculinity and sexual assault he's okay. literally he's literally in that moment now for uh, who knows what he's doing with 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 that with that utensil once the camera cuts away maybe nothing maybe all it is 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 peacocking essentially yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> um but he's literally weaponizing his dick in that moment. Yeah. And so on. <laughs> um, also, because I don't want to forget about it, after the uh, tunnel sequence, when uh, uh, Kate and Reggie are essentially, like, <laughs> in the moment, sort of rebelling against what's happening, and uh, uh, Reggie, Daniel Kaluuya, gets shoved on the ground, and the dude who's got a gun on him is just like, slide back, let it happen. The, which is the language of sexual assault. Right. Anyway, going back. <laughs> going back to tor- going back to torture. Yes, we don't see what he does either right. with the water jug or his member. Yes, um, which you know, I, I like to imagine that he just whips it out and just slaps him a couple times. I like to imagine that he just stands there like that. And after <laughs> hour seven, Kiramo's like, "Arrgh." Take a dick out of my face! <laughs> yeah, the water jug was just for them to fill, so he could keep standing there. Like they, just, <laughs> he's just like I need, like like they keep giving him cups of water just so he can build in his endurance to keep standing with yeah, his yeah, dick yeah. in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I like the idea of Guillermo's eyes just occasionally darting down to the jug. Like, oh my god, what what are they doing with that? Like, where is this escalating to? And at a certain <laughs> point, it becomes clear to him it's just because Alejandro might get thirsty. Right. So they just like tap the jug at some point. He's got this little like paper cone cups, and right. he just. Without somehow he like bends in such a way where he doesn't move his junk from from Guillermo's face and yet is able to bend down and fill the paper cup right and drink it and after about hour seven Guillermo's been sweating he's scared who knows where they pulled him from when was the last time this guy had water yeah Alejandro's just making a meal out of every tiny little sip without without moving <laughs> his crotch away from Guillermo's face. Uh, it's perfect. The perfect torture. And of course, you you realize too, like while this is all going on, Matt is just sitting there chuckling about it. Yeah. Like he really does get a kick out of all of this awful, awful shit that he is party to. Yeah. Even if they're doing the awful shit to explicitly awful people, it's still a pretty ugly thing to extract whimsy out of. Yeah. And again, like I do, I do really like that dichotomy. It's, uh, uh, joy more than purpose for Matt, purpose more than joy for Alejandro, and for Kate, it's just abject horror at how mm-hmm. at how morally beyond complex, how morally dark these people in their world are. Yeah, and so I was I was watching a thing from Cinefix, and they were talking about like little known facts, um, and they were debunking this idea that. Originally, Kate's character was written as a dude, um, whereas like the the writer explicitly said that Kate was written 
as a woman because a man would be more likely to go forward and be a little bit more morally flexible whereas Kate as this like idealistic uh female cop uh, who uh, who most likely had to fight her way up the ranks to get where she was um would be more likely to stand by her morals and would be more likely to uh essentially uh stick stick by what she believes than uh a lot of the and it juxtaposed the 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 male morally flexible characters well and and whether or not that's automatically the case the fact that she is a woman in what is undeniably a a man's world and more specifically an incredibly toxic man's world yeah she's she's part of the out group immediately whereas if she was a man she gets more fully embraced and welcomed into the boys club you know what i mean like yeah. she's she's already outside of that circle to begin with Mm-hmm. So, so maybe that's true. Maybe that would that would feed directly into what you're talking about about how like if she was more fully embraced as part of this dude's enterprise, uh, yes, maybe it would have become easier for that character to fall under the sway of of what they're of what they're doing to yeah. buy into this idea, like uh, this idea that that the only way to function in this system is to is to oppress harder than the other people are oppressing you. Um, yeah. But I, but I also think yeah you lose you lose something if you make it a male character and you it definitely does not serve this this running theme of uh, of sexual assault the same way certainly yeah. at this point at least certainly in uh, in the language we're used to seeing it depicted in movies yeah um, and there was also kind of feeding into just the the topic of her being a woman there's this moment where like in my notes I think I wrote dudes am i right um because essentially everyone was being super uh evasive about why they're there and literally don't tell her anything until daniel kalua comes and is like yo tell us everything so it took a male's presence to for them to even like share why they were there which is super shitty yes and you also notice too like daniel kaluuya is is really the one like non toxic male in this entire thing right um and he's still like run roughshod over by the barrage of toxic maleness around both of them even you could argue even victor garber who i'd completely forgotten was in this movie by the way (laughs) uh victor garber as as you know her boss he's pretty much okay with all of it he's like yes how it is like no you're not operating out of bounds the bounds have changed you just go do it. You just go do this bad stuff. You yeah. go do it, Kate. You just go right on and be terrible. You be terrible with the boys. <laughs> be awful with them. You uh, see that yeah. dude put his dick in Guillermo's face? Ha ha. Good shit, right? <laughs> no? Get back to work. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I do, I also love, right, especially given how truly fucking ugly these these men are and their world is. I love that there is that that Kate at least has one relationship in this movie, and it really is an audience member. It feels like you get to just uh, like exhale in these scenes where it's her and Daniel Kaluuya together, yeah. Just because they've been partners for a long time, they're clearly friends. It clearly doesn't seem romantic at all. She's comfortable walking around uh, uh, just in a bra in front of him, and it doesn't feel like he's being creepy or leery. And they can talk about her love life or lack thereof, yeah. And he really seems like he's fully on her side, fully in her corner. There's he's not looking out for himself, he's looking out for her. It's real it's real nice that there is one relationship like that for her in the movie and it is so much it, 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 that much more of a gut punch when it's like, "Oh yeah, but like even even this dude is not equipped to handle this wall that you're both going to be hit with. Like yeah. you're both grounded in a decent moral place. You have a moral compass even if occasionally to do that job you have to quiet it slightly mm-hmm. they still have one how how do you function even if you are a male in a world where that it doesn't exist it will do you no good yeah uh i mean it's difficult uh, i mean i like i i don't have an answer to that uh, i do have a side note yes uh, we're, that, we're jumping around a lot yeah, yeah um in that i didn't know that Dan- daniel clue was in this movie First uh, time I saw this, I didn't know who he was yet. Well, of course not. And I and not for nothing. Like I said, I think when we talked about I think when we talked about Black Panther, yeah. um around around the time of its release, I I said something to the effect of um 
and maybe it's just because people are just really discovering him lately. Yeah. Uh, we really already should be talking more about how Daniel Kaluuya is one of the best actors working, period. Oh, yeah. Uh, look at look at his performance. I forget the name of his character in that episode of Black Mirror he did. Yeah. But look at that. Look at Reggie and Sicario. Look at Chris and Get Out and look at Wakabi and Black Panther. It, I'm so, Like, if you don't know actors, yeah, you'd forget this was the same guy. You would, in my opinion, you would absolutely forget it's the same guy movie to movie because there is no overlap that I can perceive between these characters. Yeah. That's, that's staggering and that's hard. Like, oh, it yeah. is clearly bringing so much truth and so much of himself to each one and yet there is no overlap there mm -hmm. from role to role. Yeah. Um, you know, Danny Cools is so good. Danny Cools. Danny Cools. I bet he loves that. I bet he oh, loves yeah. being called Danny Cools. Hell yeah, he better. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because I, I agree. He he completely disappears into every role that he is in. Um, especially, so like, yeah, my first exposure to him was that Black Mirror episode. I think it was for, for most people. Yeah. And uh, so I was, I was, I was taken by him. Because uh, it's little, it's like I don't, it's like I don't know this actor's name, but I need to know this actor's name. Like, who oh, yeah. is who is this? Um, and so, like, and as he was popping up, he's one of those people. He and uh, Lakeith Stanfield are are two people that like. Who's another one that, in my opinion, is one of the best yeah. working. Period. I I like the from the moment I was introduced to them, I was basically just rooting for them to keep being in things that I like. Um, because they're just so good at everything they're doing. Yep. Um, and it's, it's fan like they, it, it's, it kind of has that feeling like, you know, when you're a kid and you just go see a movie because your favorite actors in it, like, you're like, oh man, Tom Cruise is in this movie. Well, I'm yeah. going to go see it. I mean, that also used to, that was like what drove box office for decades was just right. this, this famous person I like, let's go. <laughs> I mean, but they give me that feeling now. Yeah. Like, I will see a movie just because they exist in it. Because I know that, like, no matter what the quality of the movie is, like, they're going to bring an amazing performance. So, like, when I knew that uh, Lakeith was in uh, the Death Note movie and I knew that the Death Note movie was going to be garbage, I was like, I have to watch it because he's in it. That's um, right. And he, he did provide a good, uh, like, he was my favorite part of the movie. It was garbage movie. I don't remember a ton except for Willem Dafoe as like the shadow porcupine man. Yeah. Um, or like the like the, the the dark green goblin, I guess. Right. Um, I do remember that I, I didn't dislike it, but I bet that's because that's my only exposure to any Death Note and I have no basis for comparison. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes, but I'm, I'm totally with you. And even if I don't know that they're going to be into uh, they're going to be in a movie or a show or something, as soon as they pop up, I'm just like, great. This is great. I was liking it before, and now it's the best thing. Now it's just the best thing that there is. More, please. Oh uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so just, just remake remake Twin Peaks with Lakeith Stanfield as Cooper. I want it. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. Just give me. Just give me like the. Yeah. Just give me the because there aren't. Yeah. We need that. I need that. <laughs> Do Donald Glover. I read an interview around when Atlanta was premiering and he said that he really wanted to make Twin Peaks with rappers as far as being able to quietly unsettle the audience. And once yeah. he said that, I was like, oh yeah, I could totally see it. What I want is actual Twin Peaks. I just want a flat tw Twin Peaks remake uh, with with rappers, sure, but like with Lakeith Stanfield and like uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya. They, yeah. can be, uh, they can be Cooper and uh, Sheriff Truman. Ooh, I don't know who this You don't know what are. I'm talking about, nope. but someone listening wants this. Yeah, I'm sure that like our audience is like, yeah, more of that. Hell yeah. Ooh, shit. G -g 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 Sheriff Cooper. Hell yeah. I just want, I just want like uh, 40 some odd hours of Lakeith Stanfield in a suit being really excited about coffee and trees. <laughs> All right. I dig it. Yep. Um, uh,. <laughs> There are a lot of Marvel actors in this movie. Yes, so uh, um, comic book movies make all other movies more fun. And the more of these things they make, the fewer actors will not have appeared in one. Right. So we got, hang on, who do we got? We got we have just, Thanos. A th uh, Josh Brolin is Thanos. Yes, we have The Collector. Who, Benicio Del Toro. Um, we have Wakabe. Wakabi, yes. Um, we have Sitwell. Jasper Sitwell is uh, uh, Maximiliano Hernandez. And Well, I mean... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Victor Garber doesn't count. But uh, he's, he's Martin Stein but he's on Martin uh, Stein. DC's Legends of Tomorrow or 
was Martin Stein. Now he's on Broadway. Now Sad. he's now he's being now he's being Broadway man again. But we also have uh, Punisher. Uh, oh yes, John Bernthal. Also John Bernthal. Um, uh, which I thought I was actually really happy to see him. I'm always um, happy to see Bernthal. Yeah, even I when I'm not into the thing I'm watching at all, I'm like, oh, Bernthal's here. I feel a little better. Yeah. Well, when when we got to that scene, was so we get into the bar and um and he's in the background, and I was like. He's gonna be someone like I could just I just noticed the the nose from from back because like he like he has a very distinct face um, and like his nose is very distinct as well um, and so like I saw it and I was like who's this guy gonna be um, he ended up being a patsy for the for the cartel you talk uh, we were talking before about. Uh, Reggie Daniel Kalu's character being a, a good man with a moral compass in this world that really doesn't allow room for that. Yeah. This is where it bites both of them because this, this character, Ted, the, the Bernthal character was a friend of his. Yeah. And he literally, he went essentially with it cause they were joking about Kate's lack of a love life. Presumably he introduced the two of them so she could have a little bit of fun. Right. He's got a moral compass in a world that doesn't allow for that. He, could not have seen this coming. Yeah. And he there's a there's a scene shortly after she's assaulted by him, which yeah, you could argue maybe, oh, this scene is the, the the sexual assault thing that you're claiming isn't explicit. Well that makes it pretty explicit. I would argue this is a very thin line. I would argue that even though he uh Bernthal, the the character is strangling her, which yeah. is very much a type of violence associated with sexual assault the assault itself is not explicitly sexual. He's literally there to kill her for seeing and hearing too much. Right. And it's just that this sexual situation gave him an opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, again, that I line, mean, that line's very thin, especially when we're dealing very much with this thematic material. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's thin. It's yeah, it's, it's a thin line. And also like, th- I would say that like, the verbiage while he's doing it kind of makes it a little more icky oh, and that he keeps well, being like, it's not a, it's you made not me do this. A, right. and like, it's yeah. not an accident that it is depicted in, in the way it is. I'm not, my point is not to right. suggest that it is less bad or different, whatever. No, no, yeah. 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 Um, my, but then, but then further, my point is there's a scene after that happens where you have a moment where Reggie is holding himself responsible mm-hmm. and, and Kate tells him, it's like, no, it's not your fault. But again, speaking to, he's not, He's a good man who is not equipped by virtue of being a good man to handle how truly, staggeringly, bewilderingly, surprisingly ugly this world is and how yeah. other people may willfully compromise themselves as part of it. Yeah. Um, and and kind of to, to piggyback off that in terms of kind of. No, I don't know how to how to phrase this in its in its weird way. A lot, yeah. Um, a lot of this is very fraught. We're doing our best, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, just kind of going back to the way that Benicio del Toro is a is all about like violating the people that he's he's interacting with to get to his end mean in means. There's that moment where he gives um, he gives John Bernthal a wet willy, which is. A, <laughs> But it's it's also essentially him inserting himself into that man's body in order to get what he needs. Um, so it like it kind of also tracks within the realm of that sphere. It's all it's the movie. Once I went back to that specific analysis of it, it definitely unlocked the movie for me in a way that though I I loved it the first time I saw it, I hadn't quite. I hadn't I hadn't unlocked for myself necessarily. Right. And then once you start looking at the movie through that prism, you can't not see it. You yeah. start seeing like you just said, like I don't know if that's something you were necessarily thinking of in those terms at all while you were watching it, but now through that prism, you look at that moment again and it's like, "Oh yeah, okay, that tracks you." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gross. Um, but Speaking of other uh, Marvel people, so Sitwell, I've heard different analyses basically comparing his character with Kate's and that like they are essentially mirrors to one another, but he is corrupt where she is more of a, a moral character. And so like they parallel each other in that like they're both law enforcement officers. Um, they're both basically pawns to these different sides of the this like cartel versus uh versus government war versus more cartels yeah right 
Um, so I thought it was really interesting that like the way that his character is portrayed, um, like you imagine that he is going to have this giant impact on the story and you imagine he's going to be like this big turning point and everything. And he ultimately ends up just being another disposable piece. Yeah, he's for... just he's just fodder for this war. Yeah, it's like you spend time with him, you see his life, you see his relationship with his wife and son, and he clearly has love for both of them. We see more of his interactions with his son. Yeah, and there's clearly love there. There's clearly mutual love there. You see how how he does have moments where he's very parental and very serious about you know there, he's got his his uh his rifle in the room with them and yeah. his son moves for it and he's like no you never touch that he's looking out for his family and it seems very much like he only got involved in this world because he had to to survive to provide for his family yeah but we we see all of that we we humanize him to the degree that we do all in service of making the point that this world doesn't give a shit about you it doesn't give a shit about your morals it doesn't give a shit about your family it doesn't care you are just one more expendable body for this war right and but like my issue yeah, yeah, yeah. is that like benicio del toro didn't have to kill him no he didn't he, like he 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 was just like just he was just hanging out he could have been like cartel's gonna get to you you might as well run away but he's like nah bruh Straight to the head, bitch. Yeah, he just just marks him in the street at night. Unnecessary. Well, sure, but how much of what any of they do is necessary? I'm just saying, like, he... I I agree with you. I think though, <laughs> I think though that maybe that's part of the point. It is it that it is senseless. The whole thing is top to bottom senseless, and I do think that's part of why. And I get that that another audience member might look at it and go like, well, why did we waste all that time spending time with it? That that's that's the, the point. point. Yeah. That's the point. Um, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just think to me that that drives that point home even further. Yeah. There was no reason that had to happen. There's no reason any of this has to be happening. And it's happening and it and we keep we keep feeding it and we keep feeding it and we keep feeding it. And yeah, it doesn't care about you. It doesn't right. care how much you love your kid. Doesn't care. Pop, you're dead. Hmm. I yeah, it was cuz the last is it the last frame? Yes, the last like scene the so- the is soccer with match. the kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it just shows you that like even though they dethroned this uh, this cartel leader, like the violence still continues. Mm-hmm. Like nothing they did really had any effect. And like the way that they got Kate into this is because they're like, what you're doing is meaningless. What we're doing will really like make an impact. It'll really like put the kibosh on what's going on. Right, and if then- anything, it like escalated it because now there's this giant vacuum in the cartels and so like maybe the colombian cartel swoops in and is like cool we got control of this uh this region and cool the government is in partnership with that cartel but it's like no it really is like underpants gnome tactics it's (laughs) really seriously like seriously and and, and, uh, josh brolin might as well have walked up to a whiteboard in the briefing room and been like okay step one Cause enough chaos to root out this cartel head. Step two. Step three. Profit. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. It's, right, the system just continues to perpetuate itself. Right. Right. And and they give, like, he, he I imagine, it's, like, you have to imagine that his character uh, has been telling himself that he's making a difference. And he's, like doing something that's worthwhile. Like maybe at some point he also was idealistic and, and as, uh, as, as kind of moral as Kate. And at some point he's just like, it's not enough. You got to go to extremes and, and, you know, under a different, under a different umbrella, if he wasn't part of the government, he'd basically be just be a terrorist um, because he is that radical in his methods. Yes. And so like, and that's not necessarily portrayed in the text but you could read it into the way he portrays the character yes um and and so like when he gives his spiel about how like you know there used to be an order and then you know now we've lost that order and we're just trying to get back control because and and now that we're working with this uh thing like it's it's all just a way to 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 bend his own view of how he sees himself and he literally says the way they're gonna do it is by creating more chaos right 
It's insane. It's absolutely insane. And I love, but I find that so fascinating because look, we, we're not short on people like that in the real world and they're heavily armed and heavily trained and there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, what, what is it that, that makes someone commit to that idea that the only way to make sense of this is to be it to a greater degree? Yeah. Like what puts, what pushes somebody there? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel It'll like... probably vary on a case-by-case basis. Well, yes. We know that, but, like, Alejandro was, was probably not the nicest man in the world to begin with. And right. we know that he got pushed to where he is when we meet him because of what happened to his family. But, like, what, was, what is Matt's deal? I, I he mean... He just seems like just a toxic <laughs> shitbag, basically. <laughs> probably. I mean, maybe they'll go into it in the sequel a little bit, but, like... I think that I think that the the movie's argument is that if you live in this world too long, ultimately you end up becoming what you're fighting. It is it is though to be fair, and we see counterexamples of this, like in the case of uh, the the Maximiliano Hernandez character. It's the only way to survive right. in that world. Uh, yes, yes, but it's like how do you in trying to in trying to combat that. Just to maintain your foothold in that world, how like how do you do that without becoming that very thing? Yeah, this is like the Killmonger dilemma. <laughs> it's true. Um, so I wanted to. So we haven't seen the sequel, and there's a lot of debate on the internet about whether it should exist. Um, like, what the purpose? I've, I watched the trailer. Um, you know, I haven't actually seen the full trailer, but I, I would scroll past like, you know, like the, the ads, you know, social media ads for it, whatever. Yeah. And I just keep scrolling past the, the one shot of Del Toro with the pistol, just like, just rapid firing the pistol. And I maybe said it on this show once, just give me that for two hours. (laughs) I don't need a story. I don't need you to cut at any point. Just like blam, 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 blam. Reload, bam, 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 just for two straight hours. <laughs> Somebody's tossing him clips from just off frame. Like, <laughs> and like, Why is anyone arresting this guy? And like you occasionally, there will be like five minute stretches where you hear from the ground off frame, like, <laughs> it's like, who's down there? How right. are they still alive? <laughs> Bring in, I like to imagine it's like a conveyor belt of victims <laughs> where he's just like, bringing the next one. Every time he reloads a clip, a new person is rolled in <laughs> and he's just like, or you kind of see just like, uh, 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 like in a dirty shot because we don't cut, but we see somebody come into the frame like dragging somebody else and they just get dropped and then yeah. the other person walks away and you hear like, no, no. It's a great movie. Yeah. Perfect movie. movie. Great movie. Academy um, Award winner for Best Picture, Writer, Costume Designer, Adapted and Original Screenplay, <laughs> Score, Original Song. It's like Benicio Del Toro just starts making up a song while he's doing it at one point. <laughs> Academy Award winner, Best Original Song. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, Three okay. billion dollar grossing. <laughs> um, so, like, the, 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 the gist of the... the 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 gist of the uh, trailer is basically that Guillermo picks up the daughter of his uh, of the guy he killed. Um, Guillermo. What did I say? <laughs> you said Guillermo. Oh yes. He's Anyways. like I'm finally out of the chair without a dick <laughs> in my face. Hooray! No, it's Guillermo's time. <laughs> <laughs> Benicio del Toro's character, um, Alejandro, yes. picks up uh, the daughter of the uh, the the cartel leader that he killed. Oh. Um, and okay, so so the cartel leader had another secret daughter that was just like at soccer camp while everyone was being murdered. Basically. <laughs> lucky, lucky her. Um, and so she, she basically sees too much. And so the government wants to kill her, but he's protecting her. Um, so it's like the professional? I guess. But with cartels instead of Gary Oldman? Yeah. So right. or the government? I, I haven't seen the professional, so I'm just assuming. Oh, it's, um, uh, it's, it's good. I hear it's awesome. Uh, everyone good, uh, is the the thing that I'm yeah, I yeah. know from it. It's got a little little uh, Nat Natalie Ports, Portman. Little Nat Ports. Hell yeah! Um, and so like that's the gist. Is now Jean it's Renault. Josh Brolin versus Benicio del Toro. Where is Jean Reno? Where's he been? Just Tarn, where out. are you keeping Jean Reno? Uh 
You'll never Renault. Ha ha! Ha ha! Wasn't he in at least one of the Steve Martin Pink Panthers? Um, Isn't he like the commissioner or like the police captain or something? Why I am I like, asking you? Have you seen the Pink Panthers? No. Um, I've I, seen the trailer. I know at some point in the movie he goes, Ambergale! That's it. That's all I know. I, I think, think he that means hamburger. After Godzilla, the movie? Like the American version? The one with uh, Broderick? Yes. And where Harry Shearer is the newscaster? Yeah. And where like the old Japanese man is like, Gojira. Gojira. And yes. then it cuts to the newscast and he's like, Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, That one. So he was in that. And then I think he was just like, I'm done. I don't want to act anymore. <laughs> I don't like America yeah. anymore. I don't, I don't feel the way I once did. My so dreams lie back in France. <laughs> So he's just doing indie French films. He's like, never again. Never he was again. In, um, he was in Kenneth Lonergan's movie, uh, Margaret. But that was, I think, early 2000s. Yeah. Like, real early 2000s. I forget. I want to know. Jean Renault, if you're listening, uh, please tweet <laughs> at us, at Missing Outcast, and let us know where you are. Yeah. And if you aren't John Renault, but you know where he is, please uh, tweet at us yes. at Missing Outcast. Also, please don't be offended by this conversation about you. I just, you know, don't don't be offended. No, Jean, if you're listening, we we uh, love your work. We're, yeah. we're actually sincerely big, big, big fans. Want to know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> we we want to know. I haven't heard from you in a while, Jean. We're getting worried. Um, so, uh... So that's the gist of the trailer, um, which is the gist of the movie. Okay. Um, and so there's this, everyone keeps being like, where's Emily Blunt? And I think that like, if she was in this movie, like she should be the one tracking him down. Like it shouldn't be just like, the government is going to take this dude out. It should be like, she's, she's like, yo, I don't like this dude. He put a gun against my face and I'm going to take him down the right way. And then, like, that would be a movie that I would watch. Oh, this also, one, the, you talk about that, that last scene where he puts a gun to her head and forces her to sign documentation that says everything they did was by the book. Yeah. Which, again, we're now, we're now in the final scene driving home the sexual assault concept even further because, again, being uh, aggressively, violently stripped of her agency. And now, yes, professionally speaking, but all right, let's track the metaphor— uh, what what she was before that before that assault on her agency on her free will yeah. is gone now that's gone that that in that moment gets taken from her that part of her that un in this context we can use the word uncorrupted uh that uncorrupted part of her was taken away from her against her will yeah and no but see here's the thing right i i going all the way back to the top of the conversation Everything that I think you're reacting to uh, in a negative way is absolutely there. 100%. Yeah. I think it is all there in direct service of this theme. And I think through that prism, doesn't make it less ugly, but that's that's the point. Right. Well, So then I want in this sequel, the, I want that, I guess, this world isn't one in which you have like a redeeming... A part moment, of me is glad like, that, like, I just, I'm, I'm mostly happy for Kate that she's not involved in this bullshit at this particular moment. Yes, I'm glad that she got out. And, like, so, so I saw the headline of the, the AV Club thing that I was talking about before I saw the movie. And, like, by the end of the movie, I was like, of course she's not in the sequel. Like, why would she come back? But, like, if she were to. You could argue, right, that final moment, um... Because when she discovers Alejandro at the end of the tunnel, she, yeah. she makes a move like she's going to arrest him. And she puts her gun on him and he shoots her right in the vest. Right. Um, he says to her, don't you ever point a gun at me again. And then he's like, catch your breath and get back in there. At the very end, after he leaves her apartment, she gets out on that balcony and she points a gun right at him. Mm-hmm. And he he looks at her. And it's it's you could read it especially if they had put her in the sequel, you could retroactively read it as a statement of intent. Um, but I love that Alejandro looks, just looks right at her, knows full well that if she wanted to end his life, she could in that moment. And he knows she's not going to do it. Right. He knows that's not who she is. She has, she's still after everything she's seen, after everything that has been done in front of and to her, she still hasn't lost that core morality. Yeah. 
which is exactly why, like, holy shit, she deserves better than that world. But that's also why he knows she's not going to pull the trigger in that moment. Yeah. Because that's not fundamentally who she is. She's not the monster that he is, that Matt is. Yeah. But you could, like, yes, if they had put her in the sequel, you could retroactively argue, oh, that was her being like, I'm coming for you. I'm not going to cold murder you off my balcony, but I'm I'm coming for you, Alejandro. I mean, it wouldn't even need to be that. For me, it would, like, that moment, I think, yes, definitely speaks to the fact that, like, through everything that she's been through, she still has her her compass. I think it would be more that, like, he just comes, like, let's say that she decides to just do, like, local uh law like she does move to that small town and she's like i'm just a regular police officer and somehow he gets like involved in a case that she's in and then she's like motherfucker i got a vendetta i'm gonna take this guy down by the books motherfucker and then uh essentially i will say though i i would be shocked if Day of the Soldado wasn't m- more movie-ish than this one by comparison. It just, that sounds like a very movie-ish thing to me. <laughs> In a way that, like, I-, I felt Sicario was very, very, very grounded. None of it felt like plot contrivance yeah. to me. Whereas that, it would be basically like, alright, Sicario 2, S- Sicario harder. Hit, <laughs> hit some more. Hit oh, I mean, I need it. The- that, that's, that's what I need. I need this redemptive arc for Kate, where she fucks him up. She's like, she's just like, she's or just like, like running through the airport being like, how's the same thing happen to the same guy twice? <laughs> That's a diehard reference. Yes. Cool. Because the second one is just the first one at the airport. Ooh, I've never seen it. Um, I mean, it's not, it's fine. It's fun. It's just really mostly the same thing with a different face on it. Yeah, I hear it. Uh, I hear it's bad. Uh, so we are uh, running low on time. Will you have anything else you wanted to cover why, before we? Why is time? Why is time? Why is time? Um, um, okay, so I guess I guess uh, bringing it bringing it home because we just had a long, winding, rambly conversation. Do you feel any differently about it? Uh, perhaps maybe looking at it through the prism that we've been discussing, or do you still mostly come down in the same place? Um, I think that after the discussion, I can see it in a different way. Um, and I, I, I think I appreciated the layers. I, I think that I, I think I still don't necessarily like it. Like it doesn't necessarily appeal to me, but I appreciate all the different like aspects of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, Again, I think it's a I think it's a good movie. Like I can really appreciate a lot of the different aspects of it. Like yeah. the the uh, uh, night vision scene was insane. How dope was that? It was amazing. As they're, as they're going through the tunnels. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I was reading up about it about how like the prop guy would heat up his heels so like his feet his footprints would leave um, like a, a little heat embeddedness, um, which was insane. Because I was watching it being like how that works um and i was right I, <laughs> but it was a great effect it, and it's so it is so striking yeah and that's one of the like i i it's it is permanently imprinted on my brain that entire sequence and i yeah. feel like even if you come away from the movie not particularly enjoying it all that much it's hard to shake the imagery of that sequence yeah and again that speaks to how how insanely well this entire team worked together but also uh once again uh, you can't, I'd fall over uh, trying to tip my hat sufficiently to Roger Deakins, who is one of the best, one of the best cinematographers working. Yeah, no shit. But like one of the best to do it. Yeah. Uh, he, every, every movie I've seen that he has shot, I was like, what, where was his Oscar for this one? Um, yeah, it's, it's that, that whole sequence in particular. I think this whole movie is incredibly visually striking. These big aerial shots mm-hmm. of Mexico where all of these dwellings are packed so closely together, it looks like a, a, a sea that they are essentially lost in. Yeah. This whole movie is so visually striking and gorgeous to look at, even as all of these ugly things are happening within these frames. And that sequence in particular, it is really hard to shake the imagery of that sequence. And the, like the, just especially knowing what's going on in that section of the movie, how visceral it all is and how tense and how like legitimately unsettling as you 
as you wait for the the eventual culmination of whatever this task is that they've right. been sent in to accomplish. Insanely, insanely well executed and yet insanely striking as well. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that that is something that Denis and... Uh, what? Dink, D- D- Deacons. Deacons. Um, I think that something that they do really well is uh, essentially communicate feelings through um visual storytelling um and 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 even just through scenarios like the you feel kate's frustration at the beginning when she's just trying to get information and everyone is being really shitty to her like you you feel it just in the way that like just in the way that she's interacting but not not even necessarily her words but how dismissive everyone's body language is being and how how um no one is paying attention. So there are moments when she is essentially alone in frame and you're like, you can feel her isolation. And and that scene is just so I like, I couldn't imagine watching it in a theater because you just be so immersed in their, their operation that like any, like things could come from any direction. Yep. And there is this, this tension that you feel because it is so, um, I wouldn't even say chaotic, but it is just, there's no way of knowing where it's going to go visually sonically um and and there's there's only the the sound i guess also just the sound design because you have to imagine that none of that was recorded on on site so all of the footprints and all of the movement was probably folded in just because of the environment and so like that piece alone was insane mm-hmm Yep. And yeah. You, yeah. And you talk about, right, like uh, communicating aesthetically this feeling of being alone and not knowing, right? Like knowing that a threat is imminent, a direct mortal threat is imminent and having no clue where it's going to come from. And even the people you can trust. And in this case, right, for Kate, it's it's uh, Daniel Kaluuya. He can't help you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he he is sincerely there for you and looking out for you the best he can. He can't help you. That's not this world. Yeah. So even even the person that is is watching your back even with somebody watching your back like nope that that threat could still come from literally any direction and it did right like he tried to do something nice for her and inadvertently facilitated uh an attempt on her life yeah through no fault of his own at all but like yeah no it, it could come from any direction and it's it's communicated of course directly in terms of uh the plot but yes it's you feel it constantly mm-hmm. because of the way that they they handle their visual and oral storytelling. Yeah. So, I mean, I dig it. I think I would recommend it to people um, who are like, yo, what's a good, gritty, well-shot movie? I'd be like, bro, check out that Sicario. Super well-acted, super well-shot, super well-directed. Bruh, check it out. But you got to be in the mood. You got to be in the mood. Yeah, if you're looking for something like bright and sunshiny, if you're looking to like feel chipper, yeah. if, you need, if you need to pick me up, this is maybe not the one. Nah. Unless you uh, like seeing dicks and faces. Well, come on. Who doesn't like seeing a good dick and a face? <laughs> He's clothed. It's not It's not lewd. Don't turn it into something ugly, Tari. Okay. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I just know how how striking I found this movie to be when I first saw it. Yeah. I, I really, I really, I, I still stand by what I said at the, at the top of this show, which was in my opinion, again, strictly my opinion, your mileage may and, and will vary. Were it not for the, the presence of the other two movies I mentioned in the same year, I, this would easily have been my number one of 2015. Nice. I think, uh, uh, there is just so, so much going on in this movie and every piece of it is executed with expert precision. Yeah. It feels like, some movies to me feel like a diamond. Like, it, quote, there's no such thing as a quote-unquote perfect movie in as much as you're never going to make a, a movie that appeals equally to every person. I don't know. I've seen Major Pain and that one, perfect. It's a tough movie to be mad at, I it's tell true. you. Um God. Major pain. Um, but it, given that this is the story that they are telling, and this is the direction from which they are approaching the story they're telling, I do not believe there is a single element of this movie that they did not maximize. I do not believe there is an element of this movie that could be improved if 
this is the movie that they were going to make. You could argue, well, I would have liked to see a story in which X happened, Y happened, Z happened, and that's totally interesting and and legit, I guess, and we could have a whole big, long conversation about that, but that's not this movie. Given what is here, given the story they were telling and the way they were going about telling it, I don't believe you could improve on an element that is here, whether or not these elements necessarily speak to you. So, yeah, and when I see a movie like that, I... I, I am in awe because it's next to impossible to make a watchable movie, yeah. let alone one that is so, so diamond-like in its in its precision and its perfection in terms of execution, if not how broadly it appeals to everybody. Right. Ha-ha, <laughs> execution. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to execute this episode. Uh Oof. Yep. Ooh, you had to. You yep. had to make it. You had to make it ugly again. That's what I do. To, we were just. We were laughing about executions, and now you're talking about executing something dear to us. <laughs> and now it's too real. Lex, where can they find you if they're looking for your face uh, and your opinions? Do feel, uh, I'm all over social media at the Lex Michael. Dope. Ooh. As opposed to with like. Three E's, T H E E E Lex Michael. Nope. Cool. <laughs> you won't. You won't find me if you do that. You can find me at Tari J T A U R I J A Y. Um, you can also find this podcast at Missing Outcast. That's M I S S I N G O U T C A S T. That is on Twitter. Um, and tell your friends. Make sure that. Uh, you know, you use that sweet, sweet word of mouth uh, to let people know that you love this podcast. If you love it, if you don't, please keep that to yourself. Yeah, I don't, am don't, don't spread hate. Don't spread hate. <laughs> you'll, you'll hurt Tari's feelings. Uh, but we do uh, love hearing from you guys, and we have been hearing from you guys, which is super, super cool. And we keep telling you, let us know what you guys are into. What are we missing out on that you really love? And some of you guys have started to do that. So we are going to be having uh, coming up in the not too distant future. We're going to have some. Show Shows that are based on listener suggestions so it's going to be stuff that maybe neither one of us has experienced before but one of you loves it and wants to share that love with us and with the entire audience so look for that uh coming up pretty soon hell yeah uh, and if you have a chance, uh, please go on to iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, or Podbean, and uh, let people know how you feel about this podcast. Leave us a, a five-star rating if you can, um, and a comment if you do so. We'll read it here on the podcast. Um, so thank yeah, you a, for- lot, a lot of you guys are shy with comments. Like People keep like subscribing and giving us nice ratings and then not saying anything, and we want want to know who you are because we love you too Aww, that's true share your love don't hesitate stop living your own life in fear and in love and all in service of us <laughs> all in service of missing out uh, past pod <laughs> land uh, alright well thank you for joining us here on missing out we will see you next week uh, until then bro have a good one have, have a good one I will have at least a good one. Ooh, yeah. And maybe while you're at it, why don't you watch some Josh Brolin, 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 Brolin? Yeah, Brolin, 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 Brolin. Come on, he did Brolin, it. Brolin, 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 Brolin. Yeah, you had forgotten, hadn't you? Breathe in, no breathe out. Hands up, no hands down. Back up, back up. Tell me what you're gonna do now. Always, Tari making with the unexpected oh, one biscuit. Yeah, always, always. <laughs> Tari, Tari's. Sorry, it's the Black Fred Durst. <laughs> it's what I've always said. Yeah. <laughs>